Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Hearts Standards uh, briefing thing that we didn't get to the bottom of last time when we spoke uh, in terms of a name. I need to come up with a name, so we might spit, spitball some ideas. Or if you want to give us ideas, go for it. I am joined, of course, by James Kearney as we are going to discuss a few things. We're going to look back at the St Johnston game from midweek. Hartford Lothian won again 1-0 at McDermott Park to take the unbeaten run to, what is it now? Well, unbeaten run? Uh, 13 ten. without a defeat, is it not? No, it's, so it's ten, I think it's 10 in all, ten in all competitions and um, 12 of the last 15 in the league. That's right, wins. yeah, that's right. That's uh, that that got there in the end. So we'll look back at the the, the win over St Johnson. Lauren Shankland of scores, of course, scored, taking his tally for the club to fifty. The quickest player to do it since Willie Bald. He's in the top ten of um, Hearts players to reach like, in terms of uh, fastest to reach fifty goals. And again, the first person to do it in these first two seasons since Willie Bald. We will discuss new contracts about uh, that were signed by Craig Gordon and Macaulay Tate. And of course, we'll look ahead to Sunday's Scottish Cup fifth round clash with Airdrieonians, which is uh, has an unfortunate kickoff time. But I mean, that's just uh, um, just complaining for the sake of complaining. But let's start with St Johnson game. James, what did you make of it? Uh, honestly, it wasn't the most entertaining game in the world. Let's, let's <laughs> no. Um, no. I'd, I, I remember before uh, in the, when we did the pod before the match saying that, oh, you know, I thought it'd maybe be quite similar to the game at Tynecastle earlier in the season. Um, you know, one of Craig Levine's first games in charge. Uh, it probably wouldn't be as exciting as a Dundee game, for instance. And yeah, I think that probably is exactly how it transpired. I thought it was, I, I didn't find it to be the most entertaining game I've ever watched. Uh, I mean, that, I believe... that first half in particular was yeah. rotten. Let's face it, I, you know, nothing happened. Nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Hearts got the goal shortly after the start, after the restart, and they didn't really ever look as if they were going to give it away. You know, I know you touched on it in your analysis piece, uh, so I won't step in your toes. But as soon as Hearts went ahead, the, you know, St Johnson didn't really have a sniff to us over the course of the ninety minutes. I didn't think. I didn't think they really offered much in attack. And to be fair, Hearts weren't much better <laughs> at the other end. To be fair, but obviously Hearts have got Lawrence Shankland, and every so often he can just do. Some, a, a couple of wonderful things, and then it's one nil up, and the game's you know it's a long way to, it's a long way back. So I think that well, yeah, it's a, I'd probably describe it as like solid but unspectacular. I think that's probably my my take on it all. I think I think John um, John in the YouTube comments here um, also kind of nails it quietly efficient. The term he's yeah. uh, I'm using with increasing frequency. Yeah, it was it was it was quietly quietly efficient. And in terms of the first half, we were kind of talking of just like it was. Uh, because you were you were working from your your house, I was at McDermott Park, and we were kind of just chatting over text, just like, yeah, nothing much is nothing much been happening. And I believe uh, Robert Borthwick described it as the nil nil stuff, nil nils, and the I, I don't think there's a, a better description for that first half. Where I actually thought, you know what, what watched at the time and watching it back, I thought Hearts started really uh, not really well, but started started well. First 25 minutes, there was real control. St. Johnston really were pinned back, didn't really get their one half again. Some of that was by their own design that they, they didn't want to engage with Hearts higher up the pitch. But on the on the kind of the two sides of it, the, the ending games and starting games, certainly away from home over the years, Hearts have not been strong either. Mm-hmm. But I thought both were um 
both were real positives and it was just that kind of the first 25 minutes just looked like Celtic Rangers going away to St Johnston or Motherwell Kilmarnock where they, they control possession, they control the pitch, they move the ball, they move the ball about. I think the only thing that was lacking in the first 25 minutes was that creativity in the final third. And like you said, that was something that was lacking across the, the, the 90 minutes. You, you look at the goal, it's the, the goal itself. I mean, it's, it's a great finish, but it's not like we carved St Johnston open. It was a long pass from Frankie Kent that Lauren Shanklin made them made something out of, or it can base a goal out of what was very, very little. Yeah, I mean, I think you had that great line in the <clears throat> instant analysis where you said that he's a man that makes, uh, you know, scraps look like a buffet. Yeah, you know, and that's exactly what it is. Yes, in fact, yeah, you know, that was it's not even a half chance, is it? You know, it's like you say. It's, he said that afterwards. He, 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 he locked eyes with Frankie Kent, you know, made, started making the run. But I mean, again, like I kind of touched on this as well from something for the site uh, that went up this morning. It's, it's if you had to show someone of a little 10 seconds of Shankland and saying, this is why he's so good. Yeah. You could do a hell of a lot worse than that 10 seconds. Because again, you see him, you know, he gets the run breaking off the shoulder of the man. He's just on side. He then has to slow down, check his run, because the uh, the ball, the, so he get, gets underneath the ball, uses his body brilliantly to just, uh, you know, maneuver the defender out the way, gets forward, there's a little invention of the, the wee dink over McGowan, and then there's the absolute ice cold composure to just slot it in. Um, and, you know, he never looked for a second as if he wasn't going to score. And I just think that, you know, the, the obviously we talk about Shankland a lot, and with good reason, and I think that, you know, the things that we talk about a lot, I think you could see them all in that goal, you know, the just the, the strength of the build-up play, the, the immense finishing in front of goal, the little clever touches and invention that it can sometimes take to, to trick an opponent and bar, buy yourself that half yard of space that you need. I just thought it was an absolutely brilliant goal and it just it really encapsulated everything that makes him such an impressive player for Hearts. So I thought, I thought it was a really nice moment, but let's be honest, it was probably the only nice moment over the course of the 80 minutes. It was it, it was a bit of a tough watch, but again, the most important thing was that, you know, similar to the Dundee game at the weekend, it was another tricky away match. It was a different, completely different scenario, completely different mm-hmm. type of match they were going in, the Hearts were going into. But, you know, similar to the Dundee game, they found a way to win. They found a way to get the goal, get the three points and get up the road. And of course, it's another clean sheet as well. So it's difficult to be very negative about it at all, to be honest. Um, I think most Hearts fans would take boring 1-0 wins if, uh, between the end of the season. That'd be fine because, you know, if you, know, if you do that, then you're going to be pushing for Champions League or something like that. So, um, yeah, I think that, yeah, a, a little bit more entertainment wouldn't have gone amiss, but I think it's because of the kind of game it was going away. You know, we know what St. John's are like, we know what Craig Levine's like, we know what kind of game it's going to be. So I think that, you know, to get the goal, get the three points up the road, that's about as much as you could probably have realistically hoped for. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I think there's still, you see if this was maybe, see if this was back in December, you'd be like, oh, it's still a wee bit turgid, the, the, the football's not not great to watch, not very entertaining, not scoring a lot of goals, but now it's came after scoring two against Aberdeen, scoring three against Dundee twice, just looking more threatening in the final third, the change in the, in the formation, I do think it's, uh, you kind of accept these kind of performances or games more, and even more so when you're on such a good run, you're just like, oh, just keep keep that run going, which oh. is, uh, that momentum going, which is obviously really important, so yeah, they, 
you'd like to be a bit more of a threat in the, the final third and want to be a bit more exciting and enjoyable. But although Hearts, we didn't look like building on the lead and getting a second and third, the flip side never looked like conceding a goal, never looked like allowing St. John's to come back in the game. Like I said in a couple of the analysis pieces we put on the site, that was the lowest um, opposition XG that have, uh, in the league. So basically Hearts kept St. Johnston at bay for the for the majority of the game. Their best chance was uh, some boys, uh, with their substitutes, uh, shot over the, like, blazed it well over the bar. You'd have to done really well to score him. I think that's probably the one of the biggest positives as a team dynamic that I took away from it was just how good Hearts were when they were, or their mentality when they were ahead, that you've seen it so many times before. And it's not just a Hearts thing, but I think just uh, teams in general. When they get away from uh, away from home in the lead, they'll kind of just sit deeper, protect what they have. But Hearts kind of try to engage the St. Johnson much further up the pitch and make it difficult for them to play play up, play out. And there was never any sustained period where St. Johnson were penning uh, Hearts in or making it difficult for Hearts. No, exactly. You know, like I think, like you say, it was very measured in that sense. In that, <clears throat> okay, yeah, it would have been nice if Hearts were kind of going hell for leather, trying to get another goal. But like you say, that then leaves them more vulnerable at the back and the more important thing is I actually don't concede it. you know the margin of victory is not important the most important thing is to get the victory um and just on your point as well about you saying that you know maybe a month or two ago that kind of performance happens people start grumbling I think it's because again let's be frank you know a couple of months ago those kind of performances in terms of attacking those were the norm and you know goal games where hearts were looking good and scoring lots of goals those were the exception Whereas now it's the now it's the, it's the other way around. Like you said, the last few last four or five games, Hearts have been scoring goals. They've found different scores. Well, it's not just it's not been all through Shankland. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting games where you know essentially three two and three two and a two now and all this, and then you get one game where okay you you, you get a one 0 and it's not the most pretty or entertaining, you can go well okay well fine we had, you know we weren't at our best that afternoon, but you know that's the exception now. You know the rule is actually that Hearts tend to be a lot better. And that's thing you can't have you can't have steak, caviar, and red wine all the time. You sometimes have to have beans on toast and milk. And some beans on toast and milk, I like it. <laughs> Fair, yeah, I like the analogy. I like the analogy. Give us more beans on toast, please. <laughs> the in terms of the, the the team, probably not much. Oh, we'll, we'll come to one of the main uh, points. The name of the uh, the name of the podcast or the, the briefing we're doing. We'll kind of look at that just in a second. But I kind of want to look individually. Um, there was, wasn't too many individuals to speak about, but the one player that really stood out for me and wrote about it on for the analysis piece that went up this morning on the game was Callum Newhoff. I thought that was arguably his best game in a Hearts jersey, and I remember remember being at McDermott Park and watching. I think, oh, he's, he's had a really he's had a really strong start, and we we, we talked about that at halftime, and then. I thought he faded, and I was speaking to a mate yesterday. He said the exact same. He was like, "Oh, I thought he was—he got about the pitch really well in uh, the open stages, but then uh, faded." And again, I, and I, I, someone messaged me on Twitter said said very similar. But then watching it back, he was just—he uh, didn't. He was just a wee bit more. Um, he kind of just was more subtle in his uh, in his influence uh, after the uh, after the break, but. He, I would I would love to know how many how much distance he covered because he was everywhere in terms of a kind of three way midfielder. He was breaking forward with his really positive runs. He was closing down and getting about the pitch 
and then with like use of the ball as well was um was, was tidy a lot of under under pressure he was um he wasn't always playing it safe but he was keeping the he, he was it was he was giving hearts a lot of control yeah and you know, that's something that obviously i think that when he was first signed that's what supporters thought he'd be doing week in week out that was the kind of player that i think fans were were expecting to see and yeah, it's taken him a wee while, I think, to get going. I don't, I think, um, I'm, I'm sure Nuenhoff himself and Naismith have both admitted that, yeah, he's, you know, he's taking a lot of time to acclimatise, he's still finding his feet. But when you look at a player of his age and his profile and the amount of minutes he gets, you know, you do need him to have to start really influencing games. And like you say, whether that's by, you know, grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and, you know, charging forward, or if it's like you say, just a little more subtle things about just keeping possession, Keeping keeping his shape, making sure that you know he's stretching the opposition defence by making the right runs. All those little things, you know, like you say, they do add up and make a big difference. And I think for Nuenhoff now, the challenge between now and the end of the season, at least, then anyway, has to be is to, he needs to start doing that more consistently because there have been yeah. games where he has, he has looked tidy, or there have been games where he's looked really solid for large chunks of it. And then there's been other games as well where he's looked lost at times. You know, he's just been kind of wandering around the park and he doesn't really look as if he knows what he wants to do. So. Again, really encouraging to see him have a good performance. Um, and again, definitely a, a really good indication of what he can bring to this Hearts team. Again, we just need to see it a wee bit more. I think I think that's the big thing. Yeah, that, that's it. We want him to be a lot of times, just like you said, being lost, or he just he does he just he just seems lost in midfield. And you just want him to be more assertive. And I really noticed it on Wednesday, just how much he was demanding of uh, of his teammates in terms of wanting the ball in terms of running off the ball and asking for it, running beyond Shankland and getting up in support and running, uh, kind of getting into that final third, which I think Hearts fans want to see more of from the midfield. So, yeah, very, very encouraging. Do, do, we, need, do we say anything else about Shankland? Yep, great, 50. It, was, uh, it came um, as we expected. Uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know what else to say other than bringing up, your, the, bringing up an article you wrote back in maybe November, I think, or the start of December, looking mm-hmm. at, when he could score his 50th goal and uh, it's safe to say underest- underestimated it. Yeah, so I've not got the exact figures to hand, but I, by that point, going by his goal-scoring form of this season, uh, at that point, I was like, I, I did the maths and it, it kind of turned out the number, I think it was the 36th game of the season, league game of the season, so two games before the end of the, uh, before the final match. And obviously he's done it in about, was it 25 games he's done it in now? Is that right? 25 games run? Yeah, yeah, 25. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's absolutely smashed that target as well. So, again, we thought it'd take him till, well, I thought it'd take him till at least another couple of months until he could get to this point. And yet, here he is again. So, it just shows you that even when it comes to breaking records, he's even doing them faster than anticipated. You know, just everything he does is extremely good. Um, and yeah, there's not really much more to say at this point. Yeah, just enjoy him. Enjoy him. Yeah, that, that's it. He was just, he's, he's, I asked, I asked on Twitter after the game, like, has, has there been a more influential player for Hearts and uh, excellent years? And a lot of people did say most influential since really Scatchel. I think he's more, more impactful, more influential than when Scatchel. Because Scatchel was often you'd play on the periphery of games and then come up with those match-winning moments. Whereas Shankland is, I think, much more of a talismanic figure he's much more involved he does a lot more than than, than Scatchel which um and Scatchel did say it certainly did certainly did loads so yeah I think he's 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 passed him again 
when you get into legends, legendary status, Saskatchewan scored in two Scottish Cup final wins, including the double against Hibs. So uh, still got a wee bit to go on that set of things. So before we move on, uh, just I think um, just kind of going back to some of the stuff we were saying about the progression of of, of Hearts. I think uh, John does make uh, a few good points, and that one was better summed up by saying it feels like. Uh, we're moving from passing for passing sake to actually probing with movement of the ball. I think that's that, that's that's a really mm. good point to make over the last say the last few weeks. It does look like the team are evolving and stepping up the way that they they're attacking teams and um, moving the ball into the into the final third. Before we move on to talk about the contracts that were recently signed, just want to ask: Do you think there's a chance? So Hearts. Their points record tally in the top flight is 74. It was 2005-2006. Mm-hmm. Now, this is only in the season's three points for a win. I've not looked at uh, how many points we'd have finished on in the seasons that we had uh, um, two points for a win. Yeah. So, 48 points. We're on 48 points just now. And mm-hmm. I think the projected, if you, if you look at the average points per game over the season so far... I think we're projected to get to seventy-two. Do you think? Do you think they could get to seventy-five? That would mean twenty-seven points across the next thirteen games. So essentially, winning nine or thirteen. I don't mean to be a negative Nancy, but no, no, I, I don't. I don't see that <laughs> happening. I mean, maybe, maybe it's possible. It should be obviously it'd be fantastic. But the way I look at it is that I think over the last ten games or so. I think it's fair to suggest Hearts have overperformed in terms of their points mm. return. I don't think many people have said oh, they'll get twenty at the last, at the next available thirty at the start of that run. You know, that's that's that is overperformance. They don't they deserve the points? They've been worth it. But aye, come on. The flip side of that, of course, is at the start of the season, there's that opening six, seven, eight games where they were underperforming massively in terms of the amount of points they should have been getting from those matches. So the way I look at, at it is that between that spell at the start of the season, this one at the moment, it probably the points tally at the moment is probably a fair reflection of the team's fortunes i think that's because it, i think that pretty much the two runs of over and under performance just about balance themselves out so then you look at it so you go yeah 25 games in 48 points so just shy of two points a game you know extrapolate it out like you say you get just under the 74 point mark but then the other thing to remember as well of course is that the final five games of the season are on paper at least the hardest in that you're playing the split you know you're not playing you know you're not getting the odd game against you know teams that are fighting to stay up it's you know it's going to be in a split where um chances are it's going to be a title race going on between Celtic and Rangers they'll be absolutely desperate for points it looks as if you know well accounts it could be going to the wire at this stage that's going to be difficult you know you're not going to be playing a Celtic team or a Rangers team that are kind of um you know on the sunbeds already thinking about their holidays because they've already wrapped up the, t- the, t- the championship below uh, hearts as well you know look at fourth fifth sixth you would imagine that all those spots will be getting challenged for and fought over right up until up until the very last so i guess my point is that i think that when hearts went it's like they will face diff- more diff- a higher standard of opposition than you do over the course of the season anyway but the double the, but the other side of it as well is the fact that not only they're playing a better standard of opposition but they're playing a better standard of opposition who arguably have more to play for than hearts because by that point hearts might well have third wrapped up um, so I, I would think that I think 74 is just I think that's a bit much but um, I think certainly if, if reach, reaching the 70 point barrier though that, that would be an astound that would be an absolutely incredible season and yep. I think that's, that that shouldn't be, on, be beyond the realms of possibility 
I wouldn't have said so. Yeah, that's. I, I think you have pretty much uh, summed up my feelings as, as well in terms of the difficulty in, in getting that nine wins out of 13. Just, it just it's, a very, it's, a, it's a tall order considering yeah. they've just won 12 out of 15. Uh, it was just kind of trying to prolong that. But I think the, the, the important thing is, the two important th- uh, factors for me is something I'm going to need to look into. Heart, certainly over the last few years when they have, uh, just just in general, other than maybe last season, where, or no, actually, the last season was the, the, the point of the case, tend to kind of fall away in the final, maybe not final third, but final quarter of the season. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's certainly over the years, like when we finished third under Nielsen, after coming back up from the championship, can it, it just felt like for a few seasons running, the season was over by March and the performances and results reflected that. Whereas I do think that there should be a different mentality this time around. I don't think Naismith will um, stand for just allowing people to take their foot off the, the, the accelerator, so to speak. But yeah, like you said, Hearts have only breached the 70 point mark once, and that was at 2005 2006 mm-hmm. in the top flight. That yeah. is. And Considering the start of the season that we had, to get that would be just an absolutely incredible, uh, incredible achievement for the, the the squad. And considering all that gone through in terms of the doubts, the criticism, skepticism of uh, like the management team, of the direction they were going, but slowly but surely it's been turned around. And I do I do think it's um, it's doable. And if they do it, then that would be it would be absolutely brilliant to brilliant to see. Let's move on to contracts. This week we have had Craig Gordon sign our new deals, extended his stay until 2025. And then we this afternoon it was announced that Macaulay Tate had signed a four-year deal taking him to 2028. Did I say Craig Gordon was 2028? Craig Gordon no, 2025. Yeah, yeah. Craig Gordon 2025 and Macaulay Tate 2028. So yeah, I think both were relatively easy to get done on the club's part for the players as well and I think they were just two smart bits of business. Yeah, like like you say, I think it's all fairly straightforward stuff, isn't it? I mean, you've got on the one hand, you've got Craig Gordon, club legend who's just came back from that terrible injury. You're not going to chuck him out in his backside <laughs> you know, after making me come back into Spartans and right, thanks Craig, see you later, good luck. No, come on, he's, he's, he's always, he was always going to sign. And then the other one's Macaulay Tate who has impressed in the first team recently, coming from the academy, uh, from the B team. Obviously, he's got every incentive to sign. <laughs> and um, yeah, again, it's, a, it's yeah, two, two no-brainers, to be honest. Two very yeah. obvious deals that if they didn't get done, you'd have to ask very serious questions. <laughs> I, I also think the deals are interesting in the, the two different, like uh, two guys with uh, different stages of their careers and what they bring to what they bring to the squad. So you look at uh, Craig Gordon and it's, I think it's going to be the case that he's going to just sign uh one year deals each like each season, see how he's see how he's faring and then decide from there. Because I think he's he's someone who's got certainly ambition to play obviously next season. I think maybe maybe one or two seasons more to pay as long as he's fit, as long as he's feeling fine, he will look to play because he wants to make records, he wants to play football, he wants to play play for hearts. I know he can become the oldest player to ever play for Scotland, so he's got all these uh, wee milestones that he wants to wants to tick uh, uh, tick off, and he'll be desperate to finish his career as like a number one, having played games 
and to kind of go out on his own terms, which is important considering the three injuries, three like serious injuries he's had. That I think it's got to the point where he deserves to go out on his own, uh, out on his own own terms. But also just his experience yeah. within the squad, and I think it's important to have someone like him in uh, in any squad. But with Hearts, who are, who knows the club, gets the club, like is kind of knows what it's like coming through the club as well. And that's where you look at Macaulay Tate as someone who's coming through from the academy. Aidan Denham signed a new deal earlier in the season. Mm. Hearts really want to strengthen that pathway between the academy into the first team. And I think Macaulay Tate, I think Naismith said that when he spoke uh, the, on this kind of statement on Hearts, the website, that he never had any doubt that Tate was going to make the step, step up. And already we've seen it in these five substitute appearances that he looks like he's ready for this level and he's going to be a really key player for Hearts to come uh, for, for years to come. And it's really exciting to see him just at 18 and looking so mature in the midfield when he does get his chance. No, exactly. You know, that's the right word for it. It's mature. It's the the position that he plays and the demands that are asked of him. They're not easy for anyone to do. Never mind an 18-year-old taking his first steps into the professional game. You know, So I think that you're right. He has given a really good... Um, account of himself, he has looked. Uh, you know, whenever he's played, he's not looked um, as if he doesn't belong at that level or anything like that. I think you're right. It's just he's a player who, hopefully, between now and the end of the season, we'll start to see him get a few more minutes, maybe even a, a start or two. That'd be great to see. Mm-hmm. And then, hopefully, then you think they'll get to start looking at the next season and start trying to just increase that game time over and over, and hopefully, he takes his chance. Um, but certainly, look, looks like a really talented player. Um, very technical again like you say very composed on the ball which is one of those things which is incredibly difficult to coach like i think you either are or you aren't to be honest um so yeah let's have a really bright future and of course like you say as well it's just it's always encouraging to have that pathway between the academy the b team moving up to the senior squad because well that's why it exists and you know everyone loves a homegrown player don't we we all like a local lad Exactly. Well. That's what I was, I was just going to say. It's, it's, it's really exciting for the fans to have someone come through. Someone who is a Hearts fan, like Aidan Denham, is, as well, that they do get a bit more time and it does bring a bit more of a buzz and excitement around the crowd. That They look at the guys like, oh, they're a Hearts fan just like me and they 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 know the club, they want to be here, etc., etc. So, yeah, two great bits of business kind of following on from Craig Halkett signed a new deal, Liam Boyce, Alan Forrest and Denham earlier on in the season. So you're just keeping that core together. And I think it's really important of, so in terms just, of squad building. Just to check on that then. So obviously we're seeing all these extensions coming out. Am I right in saying just now that is the only player whose contract's up this summer at present? Is that is it just Benny Beningamy then? And Pierre Haring. Haring as well, of course. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, as we've seen, like, there's a definitely a, a sort of future proofing going on there, isn't there? In the fact yeah. that, you know, Something a few months ago that the Hearts had five, six, seven players out of contract. Obviously, a couple of loan players um, going back to their parent clubs as well. Now it's down to two. You know, um, Haring, I would think, might well be on his way out. You never know, though. Beningame would obviously. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Beningame. I'd love him to stay, but we never know. I mean, it's no secret he sees his future in, in England somewhere down the line. Um, and he is a quality player, but hopefully, Hearts can maybe get another year or two out of him before that happens. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a really strong position to be in. Um, again, it means that come the summer, Hearts aren't going to be scrambling around for players just to fill out, fill out the squad. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's all, all very sensible. All, yeah. yeah, that's I, it. I, I approve. It's, it's, I approve. Yeah, it's, it's, it's continuity. Nace was talked about it as well. He's been part of Hearts sides that have had to overhaul 
every summer or do big business in January. He doesn't want to be that. He, he doesn't want the team, the squad, the club to be like that. He wants continuity and then just add wee bits involved. And then you consider Hugh Hart's rivals, always the rivals for third place going into every season, Aberdeen and Tibbs. There's every chance that both of uh, both clubs, both of their squads will be in a period of transition or overhaul because you've got Nick Montgomery, will, it will only be second transfer window and they've got loads of loan players at the moment. It looks a wee bit, uh, wee, wee bit messy. Then Aberdeen, mm. who knows who their manager is going to be in the summer? Who knows where like someone like Mioski or Duke are going to be? So they look like they could have to do a lot of work with his hearts. Yeah, we may have to re- replace Lauren Shankman. That might be a big, uh, a, a big undertaking. But we've got all the PCs who have been providing the platform for Shankland to uh, to succeed. So yeah, it's it, it's been positive, um, positive squad building so far and getting the contracts done dusted quite early on, which is which is always good. Finally, let's just look ahead to the Scottish Cup clash with Airdrionians at 5pm on Sunday at, is it New Broomfield? Is that, or there might be a new, a new is name. Is it the, the Excelsior? Oh, the Excelsior, yeah, yeah. It's, I think, is it New Broomfield or old? Um, but anyway, yes, Hearts go to Championship, uh, Championship Airdrionians and, um, oh no, New, Broom, New Broomfield is the, um, is that's that's not as much fun though, is it? No, next you, know, it's 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 you get you know, the Scott Foam Stadium at yeah. Dens, you know, the the um, the Wire Stadium at Firhill. No, I'm, I'm calling it Firhill, and I'm calling it Dens Park. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's Excelsior. Hearts will Excelsior to play Airdrie right. in the Scottish Cup, and yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough, uh, a, a very tough match because you look at Airdrie They are fifth in the Championship. They are on a great run of form. They are unbeaten in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, including a one-one draw with Partick Thistle recently. A lot of people will be maybe not aware of Airdrie's squad, but I think a lot of people will be aware of their manager, Reese McCabe. Very young. He is player manager and he's done a, a great job having been appointed to replace Ian Murray in 2022. He has a real philosophy in terms of possession, um, like uh, keeping possession, very possession orientated, and he doesn't seem to switch his tactics for who the team are playing. So he's he sticks with his style. Okay, he might make one uh, tweaks, uh, tweaks here or there, but it's not as if he's going to go, oh, hearts are coming to town, let's disregard the philosophy and just get 10 men behind the ball. So it'll be a really interesting um, encounter at the weekend. I'm really, really looking forward to it, despite Hart's history in the 90s with Fairdry. I know, I was going to say this. Like, I mean, I think it'll be a really good game of football. I think as a game of football, it'll be great fun. But mm-hmm. part of me kind of goes, oh, God, this has got banana skin written all over it. <laughs> you know, don't, James, don't. I think that uh, Airdrie, they're, they're a really strange team. Like, they're, they're entertaining to watch. And like you say, they, yeah, they've got their principles and they stick to them. And they're not going to change for, depending on the opponent, they're going to do what they always do. Sometimes it works and it's fantastic. You know, sometimes they, mm-hmm. they, they move the ball about really quickly up the park and it's brilliant to watch. It's really nice stuff. But they have, the flip side of it is sometimes it leaves them horribly exposed at the back as well. Or, you know, maybe they're trying to play out, play out from the back with players that maybe aren't quite up to it, you know, things like that. So I think that, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a fascinating game, but I mean, the take, I mean you're right though about Reese McCabe. He's doing an absolutely brilliant job. I mean, he's got that really clear, defined tactical identity he's managed to instill in those players. He got them up into the championship where I think they'd lost their last. I think they'd reached the playoff finals five times before and they lost every yep. single one or something like that. So, you know, it, it got them over that, that that hump, got them into the league, and 
now they're at, they're at a stage in the championship where they, they're not worried about relegation. I, I wouldn't think unless you know the form dropped off massively, and actually they're now pushing for a spot in the playoffs, which wouldn't comes a huge surprise to be honest. So I think that yeah, Reese McCabe's done an absolutely wonderful job. There's no getting away, no getting around it. And um, the fact that he's done it at such a young age is really impressive. But yeah, I think for once going to, going into a Hearts game, I'm actually quite confident of seeing goals, 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 which isn't something we can always say. But I mean, look at if you look at Airdrie last season. So I think all in all, they played about 50 games or so across all competitions. But not not even that, and they scored something like a um, hundred odd goals and conceded about 60. So they had, there was about four goals a game, basically you were, you were getting. And then even this season, it's maybe not been quite as extreme as that. But you know, you do get lots of goals, and there are there they are a funny team because they, they'll have matches where they'll play teams off the park and they'll win four 0 and then the next week they'll go and play somebody, and it'll just be an absolute mess. And they can you know they've been on the receiving end of some absolute dunes over the last year or two you know so it's a fascinating game it's, it's really difficult to call but um I'm, I'm really looking forward to it i just think as well in terms of um hearts's kind of setup and naismith selection um i know i've done my predictive lineup yeah i've not seen yours but i I've, i think hearts will go back to a back three for this one um just because again i think it helps with the way that um parts build out um i, th- I think that the way the energy press i think it's really important to have those options and to have those passing lanes that the back three gives you. Um, I, I think it just helps parts progress up the park because I think, um, so yeah, I, th- I think I think we'll probably see the back three, even though we have seen the back four of the last what five games now. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, they're thereabouts. But yeah, it's uh, I'm not I've not actually got round to thinking about my my starting eleven. I I do know I did. I know there'll, there'll be changes, but not like wholesale changes. It'll be it'll be a team that are sent out to very much win. So like he's not gonna he's not gonna um, rest Shankland and play no. Tagawa in in an attack, for example. But yeah, the defence is really interesting because you look at Halkett was on the bench at the weekend. Sorry, the midweek Kingsley came off after the hour because I think he was cramping up a bit maybe, mm. and uh, they got you got you got Kent. Kai Rolls comes back into uh, coming back into the picture. Nathaniel Atkinson comes back into the picture. Cami Devlin might even get they could get minutes while he gets his first starting a wee while as well, having been back on the bench against St Johnson as well. So yeah, there's 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 plenty to there's plenty to think about. Automatically, I'll just go with a back four, maybe make a a change here or there. But yeah, it would uh, it would be interesting to see see what he goes for the with, with Airdrie. Yeah, you, I think you, you summed up. They're, they're, a, they're a perplexing team because you go back to last season where they um, one week they got beat six 0 by Edinburgh City. The next week, uh, next week they uh, beat Clyde five 0 They got beat by Montrose four two. Then a few days later they drew three three with Queen of the South, and then they uh, got beat six two by Dundee in the Scottish Cup. They won four two at Montrose. They got beat by five three at home to uh, Edinburgh City. They got beat. 4-3 by Dunfermline, uh, they beat Kelty 6-1, they beat Peterhead uh, 7-0, they beat Air, uh, Clyde 5-1, and then they beat, uh, beat Falkirk 6-2 in the playoffs, so they were a very chaotic and exciting team, but I just wonder, just looking at their transition from that, and that being McCabe's first season, they came into the championship, and yeah, they were they got beat 4-0 by Arbroath, and at the same time, it got beat 4-3 by Ross County, so they still had that um, kind of chaoticness, but more recently they've not scored that many goals, but they've also not conceded many goals. That unbeaten run has been—it just looks a bit more normal. So I don't know if they've just they 
they they kind of have found a wee bit of a balance. So I, I just I actually think rather than goals, 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 I think it'll be I think it'll be a good game, but I think it'll be a bit more um, a mo- bit more chess like. Oh, well, that's disappointing. I, ho- I hope yes. you're wrong. I hope you're wrong, but. Uh, uh. No, I don't want. I don't want Adrian to calm down. I want him to continue just being a bit mad. It's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot of fun for the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun for the rest of us as long as you don't uh, don't get knocked out on Sunday. Uh, so yeah, we'll leave it there. We'll be back on back on Monday to review the game from from Sunday, and uh, we'll know before the game kicks off. We'll know who Hearts will could play in the next round of the cup. That's because asking for trouble there. Will yeah, Will don't like that. <laughs> Coffee. For some reason, the draw taken taking place before the game, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm unsure why. So yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. It's, it's probably you, you look at the the fixtures in the Scottish Cup, probably the game of the weekend. Understandably picked up by the BBC. The in terms of the Airdrie's starting eleven, there might not be too many recognisable names, but Nikolai Todorov is their central striker, which gives them a direct target to hit when. They do look to beat the press off an opposition. So he was he's you know, a former Hearts player. And um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really, really interesting. I think it'll be a big crowd there. So looking forward to it. Do you have a score prediction, as Craig asks? Uh, ooh. You know I'm, I'm going to stick with goals, goals, goals. I'll, I'll go, I'll go uh, 3-1 to Hearts. I think it'll be quite I mean, good fun. Um, but I think Hearts to get over the line without... Too much fuss, Touchwood. I think it'll be. I think it'll be two 0 No, no, at half time. No, no, half time. Yeah. <laughs> Old reliable. Yeah. yeah go, uh, goal. Goal in the first ten minutes of the second half, and then a goal late on. So yeah, that's that's my prediction. Before we move, John asks, not football related. Have you ever noticed the Tommy Cooper S look with your light shade, James? Yep, we've 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 noticed it before. Yes, sadly, yes. I should really, I should really just get a new one, but. Oh well, I'm stuck with it now. It's, it's quickly becoming part of my brand. What can I say? Yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Right. Thank you very much, James. And thank you very much, everyone, for listening to this uh, chaotic-esque <laughs> podcast or video. We'll be back, like I said, on Monday. Between now and then, there'll be plenty of stuff going up on the website. We'll have the press conferences, uh, Q&As from today. Stephen Naismith and Craig Gordon spoke. We'll have a big read on Macaulay Tate now that he's signed a new deal. That should hopefully be going out tomorrow. And we'll be looking more in depth at Air Giorgians. That'll probably go out on Sunday as well. And then well, next week, we'll have all the usual um all the usual analysis plus uh, a few things in the pipeline as well. So, yeah. Have a good weekend, guys, and goodbye.